0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You. It's Christmas. I get so excited, you know, excited to see the children with the presents. it? I love Christmas and, and I love it more because 30 years ago I became a Christian. So, I began to understand that Christmas is all about hope and all about joy and celebration of love and and love for the family and friends and new beginnings. A new year about to start, so much potential. And of course, chance to remind people of those awful Christmas jokes. (laughs) I I, I love it. I I don't know if you know, but Liz has turned our house into an advent calendar house. It's very Christmas, very Christmassy, but it's freezing because all the windows are open. um, (laughs) And, and, and this year I tried to send Liz a great big pile of snow for, a bir- uh, for, for Christmas but she didn't get me drift she didn't get me drift you see okay then what did Father Christmas say to um, Mrs Claus on Christmas Eve when he looked out the window it looks like reindeer reindeer <laughs> not, not rain but reindeer it's a play on words you see Oh, dear. Well, of course, Christmas is the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we saw the other week, didn't we, when the kids did the nativity. I just love the kids there with the tea towels around their heads, of the, the shepherds, and, and they get into the stable, and uh, with the wise men. I, and you think, like, where did they get all the emergency chairs from? You know, where did they... Because we always happen to find the emergency chairs when everybody comes round for Christmas. Well, I'm sorry to burst everybody's perfect Christmas nativity scene uh, and the cards, Christmas cards, but wise men did not visit Jesus at his birth. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. Can we have the Bible scripture up, please? Let's read this. Matthew 2. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them at what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, as if that was going to happen. When they heard the king, they departed, the wise men departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Liz has kindly got me some presents, that, some, some treasures that I want to just present to you. But just before I do that, I want to clarify one or two points. First of all, there's no mention of just three wise men, there's likely to be a lot more. As it says, these wise men, these scholars, these learned people, astrologers, astronomers, had come from the east. And Bible commentators think possibly Persia following a star. So it was a long way to travel. And Bible commentators believe they would have travelled over 9,000 miles. At an average of 10 to 12 miles per day, taking two to two and a half years. This was a momentous Time, So they would no doubt have had tents to sleep in, supplies of food and water for them, pack their animals um, t- to carry, people to serve the wise men, to prepare their food, cooks, etc. They would have had armed men with them to protect their treasure that they were carrying because robbery was obviously quite common in those days. So you're looking at quite a large caravan. I don't mean Gladys, like Caravan caravan you get at Skegness. I mean a caravan of people. There would have been horses and and carts. And so this is going to be a big adventure. This is a big expedition. And when I read the Bible, I always find myself asking questions. Why were they following the star in the first place? What kind of star was it? The Bible doesn't explain in detail what the star was all about, other than it was announcing the birth of the King of Kings. Many clever people have tried to suggest that it was Venus or Jupiter that the wise men were following. But I'm not sure about that. Before this star was seen, hundreds of years before, the Bible prophesies that a star will be seen. And you can read about it in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. It's known as Balaam's fourth prophecy. Now I haven't got time to read it this morning, but it's very interesting because it's talking about talking donkeys. angels with swords appearing and and it's a fantastic prophetic word but it says this in numbers 24 16 18 says this i see him jesus but not now i I behold him but not near a star shall come out of jacob a scepter shall rise out of israel and batter the bow of moab and destroy all the sons of tumult so he's prophesying about a star hundreds of years before this star appears and Jesus, even himself in Revelations, chapter 22, verse 16, describes himself as the bright and morning star. Yeah. Wow. So were the wise men following a normal star, or were they following a supernatural manifestation that had the appearance of a star? I'm not certain. But if you read Matthew again, it says two important things about this star. Verse 9, it says this. It went before them. It went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It went. Normal stars don't went. (laughs) Normal stars don't just stood. In other words, it went, it stopped, and it stood. Now, I would suggest that is why the wise men rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were eyewitnesses to something so supernatural, it blew their intellectual minds. They rejoiced with exceedingly joy, not just a, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> But something made their hearts beat faster. Something that gave them such a buzz that they couldn't help themselves shouting and back-slapping. This was the culmination of years of travel, years of searching, years of research, reading books and documents, the fulfilment of their quest for knowledge and understanding. This was something amazing, monumental. If only we could grasp the significance of this event. They understood the importance of this happening. Life-changing, history-making. The world will never be the same again, and the world has never been the same again. A new king being born, not just an ordinary king, but a king of kings. The Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us in flesh. No wonder they had exceedingly great joy. And to pay tribute to this king of kings, to this royalty living with a normal family and a normal house rather than a palace. I believe the wise men would have even been more amazed. And so they gave exceedingly generous gifts. And I can imagine them saying to themselves, this is no ordinary child. There's something special about this youngster. So they called forth their treasurer and told him to open up the treasure chest and gave these exceedingly generous gifts. And the first gift they gave was gold. gold for a king what other gift could express kingship other than gold a very fitting tribute for the king i'll give that to olivia and she can distribute the gold accordingly but also the wise men who had traveled so far also gave Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Liz, I said frankincense. What do you mean you couldn't read me writing? Everybody knows the story of the nativity. The wise men didn't give Frankenstein. How am I supposed to talk about Frankenstein? I mean, Frankenstein, he was a man that tried to be God. He tried to create life. He tried to knit people together, take the best bits and form and create life. <sighs> And it turned into a monster and terrorised people. Sometimes, you know, we may behave like monsters towards each other. But God has put in place a rescue plan to save us from ourselves. He sent Jesus Christ as a babe to the King of Kings and to be our high priest. Who would sit at the right hand of God and pray and plead for us. That's why the wise man gave frankincense as a tribute to the boy child as a symbol of his priesthood frankincense is an aromatic resin used in incense and perfumes obtained from the tree of the Boswellia tree. And if you want to see the importance of frankincense in biblical times, just take a look at the book of Leviticus chapter two. Just flick through there when you get home, Leviticus chapter two. And there are many verses explaining what is needed to make a sacrifice to God. And frankincense features such a lot. Are very, very expensive. But it was such a fitting gift to give Jesus. And then the wise men go, I asked for oily myrrh. (laughs) She's got me Ollie (laughs) Mers. See, myrrh, Ollie Mers, myrrh is also very expensive. Also, is oleumur? I suppose if you invited him, he <laughs> charges a fee. I imagine. But see, myrrh is a natural gum, again a resin extracted from a number of, th- of thorny trees called comifora. So frankincense and myrrh have medicinal uses. Myrrh can be used as a painkiller and also used to combat an- anxiety. Yeah. What do you mean, myrrh? Oleumur can also combat <laughs> can also combat anxiety. Yeah, that might be the case, but. You know, when Jesus was being crucified, they didn't put CD of Oli Murran, did they? They offered him wine mixed with myrrh. Myrrh is also used in preservation and embalming of dead bodies. Oli Murran. So, John, in the book of John, it says this when Jesus was buried in Joseph's tomb. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. So they took the body, bound it in strips of linen, with the spices, as the custom of the Jews. I find this so interesting. Or is it just a coincidence? Do you know how they extract the resin from these trees? They cut into the bark. They cut into the tree. And the sap, the resin, comes out of the tree to try and form, to cover the wound, to cover the scar. And that's how they collect the resin. So I don't know whether this is a coincidence, but... Isn't it so fitting that the wise men present these gifts to this child Jesus? Doesn't it also help us to understand that through his scars, through his wounds, through his blood, we may be healed, healed physically physically, Healed emotionally, healed spiritually. The wise men rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They also gave with exceedingly great generosity. Gold as a symbol of kingship. Frankincense as a symbol of priesthood and deity. And myrrh as a symbol of preservation and of death. Yeah. What amazing, prophetic, poignant gifts. The wise men presented their gifts, bowed their knees, their intellect, their hearts, And gave them to this young child they'd been searching for for so long. What a culmination of the journey they'd been on. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that them being divinely warned in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. I bet they went another way. Not just geographically, but emotionally, Spiritually being so moved by playing such an important part, eyewitnesses to such an historic event. So I've got a question this morning. What is our response to the birth of Emmanuel? God with us this morning. Is it just another day? Is it just about Christmas presents, Christmas dinner? Are we alive to the fact that the King of Kings is amongst us? Do we, this year, choose to rejoice with exceedingly great joy and choose to give with exceedingly great generosity? Because if we do, as a church, as individuals, as part of this arena family, I'm sure we'll see God move like we've never seen him move before. (coughs) Amen, and Merry Christmas.